This is the Reaction Podcast, where we react to what we hear on Sunday in HSM. All summer long, we've been talking about when Jesus meets people, and in episode 16, we're talking about the adulterous woman. Jesus met her, and he offered her a future instead of condemning her. Cameron, can you kind of just set the scene and walk us through why we chose this story to talk about grace? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, at this point, um, we're, uh, it, it, this is in John 8 is where this story takes place. It's John 8 uh, verses 1 through 11. And uh, interesting thing about this story, and most Bibles actually have brackets above it saying that uh, not all, well, I, I think it, said that it wasn't considered text at a certain point. Some explanation behind that, it, it was written after John was written, so he didn't include it in the scroll that he wrote the book of John on. So that's why there's kind of this disclaimer on it. It's not because it's not considered reliable or verifiable or considered scripture. It was just added later. Um, So part of why they put it where they put it uh, in the book of John is because it, it fits the context of John seven, right? Which flows into John eight. And in John seven, we see uh, the Pharisees were, viciously attacking Jesus, trying to arrest him, but they had nothing to uh, nothing to arrest him for. He hadn't done anything wrong. And at this point, Jesus is in his last year of ministry, um, and the Pharisees are just, they're sick of him. They, they tried arresting him, um, like I said, had nothing on him. But one morning, uh, they break up one of his teaching sessions that he's having uh, in the temple, and um, it's, it's this crazy scene where it says early in the morning, uh, Jesus was teaching, and... Uh, they kind of interrupt this. He's sitting on the ground. He's teaching a group of people. They interrupt that time by bringing a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery and they throw in front of the crowd. Um, and in verse four, it says, teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? And uh, what's crazy about this moment is uh, they use this woman to set a trap for Jesus. Um, and I didn't realize really until I, I, I studied this more deeply just how intricate this trap was. And the Pharisees are smart, right? They know the law. They're not uh, they're not stupid. They're the religious, uh, educated elite for a reason. Um, they're intelligent, and they they have them in a tough situation because adultery is wrong, objectively, right? And Jesus knows that, and Jesus believes that. Uh, and Jewish law condemns it by death, but in Rome. Uh, who now rules over where they where they live, right in Jerusalem? Uh, they changed the law that says Jews can't try and execute criminals. That's part of why we know uh, Jesus hadn't been arrested and killed at this point because they would have had to send him to Roman court, and ultimately they do, right? If you know the end of the of the gospel story, you know that he is sent to Rome uh, and to Roman authority to be tried and killed. So they they have him caught in this interesting situation because like, well, you know that our law says that we're supposed to stone and kill this one, but you know that the law of the land that we live in right now uh, says that you can't do that. And if you did do that, we could try and kill you. Uh, so they have him cornered in this perfect trap. Yeah, it's this... Uh it's this calculation of law versus law. Yeah. They're not considering that Jesus is coming with a new message, with a new perspective, with a new approach. They're just thinking, well, we're going to trap him between two black and white pieces of paper. You know, there's this code that we are sticking to culturally and He's not going to be able to outsmart that thing that's been around, that tradition, that expectation 
that cultural precedent finally we've got them yeah and what's lost in this is the woman right like you see the value and dignity that she's supposed to have is robbed of her and she's being used they didn't calculate that she's a human being right yeah she's just a tool that they're using to arrest jesus and uh in this moment they they put a gavel in jesus's hand and ask him to be the judge and we talked on on sunday with the students about um law and punishment and crime and who kind of decides uh who gets to punish people right here in america right like how does our justice system work and i think people generally understand that yeah a judge kind of swings a gavel and makes a decision on how someone is going to be punished and this story that we're reading the exact same thing is happening right that the pharisees try to move the gavel uh, from their hands into jesus's hand and say what do you want to do about this how would you respond to this and jesus uh perfectly responds in this moment to the trap that they're trying to set for him uh at first by not responding at all and what he does is he drops to the ground it says um in verse six they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him but jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger they kept demanding an answer so he stood up again and said all right but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust and i i love this response by jesus because it will and it appears on the surface dismissive um you know they're they're trying to trap him they're trying to get him to say uh the wrong thing because you can't be right in that situation uh so he just drops down he starts writing uh interestingly enough and I, and I did a lot of research on this we have no clue what he was writing um I, a lot of scholars and people have guesses but i never felt comfortable teaching any of those things because they're just guesses at the end of the day we don't know uh there's no hard evidence on it but what we do know is he didn't say kill her uh he didn't say well I know what the law says and I know what we're supposed to do with her. She did something wrong that angers me. Let's kill her right here. And now, you know, take out your stones and throw them at her. No, instead, uh, he stands back up and says one of the most famous sentences in the Bible. He says, okay, but let the one who's never sinned throw the first stone. And Jesus in this moment takes the gavel that was handed to him to judge her and decides to drop it and chooses not to punish this woman. Yeah. He responds to a brain teaser with a heart check. Right? Yep. Like he responds to a legal problem with human concern. And all of a sudden, the focus of the story shifts from the Pharisees and, and what they're presenting to Jesus to this interaction between him and the woman. Yep. Ultimately, the end of the story is he he ministers to the woman. What does he, what does he say to her? What does he give her uh, as opposed to killing her? Yeah. Well, after he said this, the Pharisees, again, being smart, slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, it says in scripture, the oldest, and you could even kind of in, induce the wisest, right? Because they understand that if we're going to start throwing stones because of sin, then everyone's going to everyone's gonna die today, right? And the only person who had a right to throw that stone that morning was Jesus, and he chose not to do it. Um, and Jesus stood up, it says in verse 10, and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And the only two words we hear from this woman and we don't know her name she says no lord no like none of them are here and no one's condemned me and jesus says neither do i go and sin no more so to answer to your question what he offers her uh, instead of a punishment instead of swinging the gavel and saying you're going to get what you deserve is he offers her grace and grace is not just not just forgiveness it's yeah. not just the absence of her sin but it's this forgiveness that comes with 
a future. It comes with a promised inheritance. It comes with a giving of gifts that she doesn't deserve. And I think that's what's important for students to understand about grace is that it's not just the dismissal of your actions, Mm -hmm. but it's the forgiving of your actions with a promise. Yeah. Mercy is you not getting something that you deserve. And and people understand that, that you can show mercy. And that is something that God does. Like that word is used a lot in the Bible to describe how God is and how God treats us with mercy. But grace is, is takes mercy a step further because grace isn't just you not getting what you deserve, but you're receiving something that you don't deserve. Right. To, To keep it the court analogy, someone who is who is guilty, right? By a jury and a judge, you are guilty, but I'm choosing actually not to punish you. I'm going to punish this person who did nothing wrong instead. You're going to get off scot-free. That still is mercy at that point. But then to take it a step further would be, well, and not only are you going to get off scot-free, but uh, you're going to be given something. Um, you're you're going to be adopted, right? You're going to be uh, given a new a new life, a new chance. You're going to be, you're going to have all different kinds of purpose. We're going to give you a job. It's, it's basically like the court setting this person who did something wrong and deserves death up for complete success for the rest of their life and, and giving them money and riches. And, and, that, and that's in, in a sense, right? Like if you boil it down uh, on a spiritual level, that's what's happened for us because of Jesus, that we all, because of our sin, deserve to be punished the way that Jesus was punished on the cross. But he had a substitutionary death for us on the cross. And because of that death, now all these new things are true about us. Suddenly we've been adopted and grafted into this family. We're co-heirs with Christ. We're given his spirit. We're given his love. We're given his mission. We get to join him in his work. It's this incredible thing that happens that uh, we don't deserve. And actually what we deserved was the punishment in the first place. So it's grace is beautiful. And I think as a believer, you never graduate from grace, no matter how old you are. Grace is something that can still uh, continue to amaze you because your sin never quite goes away and your brokenness never quite goes away. You kind of just come to realize how sinful and broken you are the, the, the longer you live. And the beautiful thing about grace is um, as you go through your life, he, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't ever change that part of himself, that he continues to show grace and show himself and offer you instead of punish uh, you, which is incredible. Yeah, I love the line in in the David Crowder song, "Your grace is an ocean." Well, it's a John Mark McMillan song. Your grace is an ocean. We're all sinking. Like it's this massive narrative of forgiveness, of promise, of inheritance that we're all participating in, and it's so big that we can't even comprehend how much it engulfs us. But over time, we sink further and further and further into it. Like we don't just go in and come back out and we're washed by grace. We are sinking into an ocean of grace. If you're focused on mercy, you're focused on just the law. But if you're thinking about grace, you're thinking about this human heart concern. I'm going to scare your accusers away. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to dust you off and I'm going to bring you into a new existence, into a new life, into a new promise uh, where you can walk in confidence and in the purpose you were created for and I am going to love you forever. And because of that, you are going to be renewed and you don't have to worry about the things that you had to worry about in the past. So Brad, thinking about grace and mercy is two different things. Like mercy is part of the story. Grace is the full story. What does that mean for parents as they help their students think about grace, as they show their students grace? Mm-hmm. What does that mean at home? 
Yeah, I think, you know, even, and I know you guys talked about the difference between grace and mercy. Um, you know, for me, the way that I, I've always defined grace uh, as it works out kind of practically in our lives is being on the receiving end of what I need instead of what I deserve. Um, and I think that's a huge thing as we think about um as, as things relate to our our kids and our families, um, in the moment of man, there's 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 grace there's grace needed in a situation. You know, like I know that what we talked about on Sunday and what you guys talked about earlier was the 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 woman that was thrown at Jesus's feet. This was a woman that deserved you know, the punishment that was coming her way, but that's not what she needed, right? And so I think that's the thing as it relates to to families and the conversations that we need to begin having, you know, before we before we enter into these moments where maybe, you know, maybe our student has, you know, made a decision that's blown up their life, you know, or, um, you know, maybe it's not even that severe. Maybe it's just a moment where, man, I get the opportunity to sit down with my student and and offer them what they need in place of what they deserve. Um, and I think that really for us as parents means we've got to sit down and have that conversation. And we've got to sit down at the table without the kids around and just talk about, man, who who are our kids? You know, for, for Christy and I at home, um, for us, like our two boys could not be more different. Um, and what one needs is very different than what the other needs. So, you know, Jack is our feeler super, super sensitive uh, little boy and is super perceptive in terms of kind of what's going on in the room. Um, and so in moments when, um, you know, I'm going to offer Jack grace from his father, um, what he needs, you know, there are, there are times that, man, he deserves you know, to be grounded or deserves to lose, uh, you know, the thing, right. He's big into Pokemon right now, (laughs) you know? So like the thing is like, uh, you know, you deserve to have your Pokemon cards taken away. Right. But what you need in that moment, uh, is something entirely different. Um, what he needs in that moment is more, more parenting, more coaching, more, Hey, let me sit down with you and let's get to the bottom of, of, you know, why you made some of the choices you made or, you know, things like that. The impulse in that moment, I think the impulse for us as parents, especially as it relates to kids is, man, we go straight to the impulse thing is deserve. Like you deserve this and you deserve that. And, and man, I think that's just, that's a, it's a tough place to be. If we all got what we deserved all the time, like the question is, do you really want that? Is that really the, the, the life that that you want to live? It's like the, you know, the saying about, you know, an eye for an eye leaves the world blind. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, that, those are even things back in Jesus's day, people bought into that teaching, right? In Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And everybody would have been going, yeah, uh-huh, that's right. You know, I can do to someone else whatever they did to me. Like, I can repay that in full because it's what they deserve, you know. But Jesus he says, no, 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 here's what I tell you, right? I tell you, you got to love your enemies. You got to pray for the people that persecute you. And and I tell you, if somebody slaps you on the on one side of the face, Turn the other side. Hey, if you're gonna slap me here, you want to slap me there? You know, if someone wants to take something, take your your coat from you, give them your coat and your shirt. You know, give. To, and if they want to take your shoes, then give them your shoe. You know, it's it's that whole that whole deal. Um, and it is. It's like like that. That for me comes back to I mean, grace. Ultimately, plays out to say like, what do the people in my life when they make terrible decisions when they um, stub their toe in life, 
you know, what do they what do they need? They deserve to go. Hey, you probably shouldn't have done that. Or um, they deserve the. I mean, you made a mistake. But what do they need? What do they need in that moment? Um, and I think that to me, for us as parents, is really how that plays out. But you got to know your kids. You know, you got to really get down into like what. All right, what does what what are the needs of my kids? How do I meet those needs specifically and uniquely uh, in their lives? So, for example, I said like Jack is our sensitive one. He's our feeler. Cash, our youngest, is not. Um, you know, Cash is one like um, he's not he's not as sensitive. He's not as perceptive. He's more of like a bowling ball with legs uh, that chooses to go where it wants to go. Um, and so Cash's needs differ entirely from from Jack's needs in terms of how to meet those needs. Um, but. Cash is also our cuddliest one, you know, in terms of he responds the most to touch. Jack doesn't respond as well to touch. Uh, And so when Cash makes a mistake, um, Cash wears his shame on his sleeve. He's very emotive, wears his shame on his sleeve. But for Cash, where Jack, I can sit down and have a conversation with him and say, all right, let's figure, let's coach you up. Let's, you know, let's let's dive into some parenting stuff. Let me encourage you, you know, through words and story. For Cash, what he needs in that moment of making a mistake is for me to take a knee and just give him a big hug and say, man, you made a mistake, but I still love you. Um, and that's what Jesus even does with this woman too. He, he says, look, like, he doesn't give her a pass. He says, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Um, And I think that's an important thing, too, you know, is is that line of, you know, discipline, that line of uh, of teaching and coaching and parenting uh, creeps up sometimes into condemnation. And we've talked about this in previous podcasts and even talked about this last week. Some, you know, condemnation is where shame enters the picture. It's where the I am, you are statements like those kind of identity statements come into play. Um, we just have to be conscious and aware of those things. Yeah, there's a great balance of tenderness and challenge. He gets down at her level, yeah. and it is a very sensitive story. Uh, there is this human concern for her heart, but he challenges her, too, in a way that he's like, you know, I believe in your future. Mm-hmm. So there's no condemnation, but there's also a belief that she can head in a better direction. And he's just encouraging her in that, and he's giving her the step that she needs to take to get there sin no more, but I believe that you have a beautiful future ahead of you. And so it's this perfect balance of challenge and tenderness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, you know, we don't think of discipline as like the territory for blessing often. Um, it's usually this thing of, oh, I got to do this. I got to have a conversation with my kid or um, I got to sit down and, and, you know, this is going to be a hard conversation. I'm going to have to take this away from them or, you know, there's and, and we tend to kind of go into this territory of this is all going to be bad. Um, the root word of discipline is disciple, right? right. Which is learner, follower. Um, and it is, it's that posture of learning. Uh, and I think that, that we don't typically think of discipline as, as, as the territory where blessing can also coexist. Uh, and I think that's, that's, that's a thing that we find in this story of Jesus and this woman is there was discipline there. I mean, he said, stop living this way. Uh, you cannot go on living this way, but there was also a blessing, you know, daughter, like, where are your, where are your accusers now? You know, I don't condemn you. That's blessing. The fact that Jesus would stand over this woman, uh, or even get down eye to eye with this woman and say, I don't condemn you. Um, that's a huge deal. And so I think for us, as we're thinking about these, you know, opportunities, when our students are, are in need of grace, the kids in our lives are in need of grace, um, Man, it's grace and, and discipline. Those moments of discipline 
it's it's also where I mean it is it is this strange territory where grace and blessing and learning and teaching and coaching and all that kind of stuff can kind of coexist. Uh, it's not like they're compartmentalized. You don't have to. It's like well we got to get through the discipline piece and then I can get to the blessing piece. No discipline can be a blessing uh, because it does give you the opportunity to get into the life of your student and say in this moment what do they need yeah. um, and how and how can I as their parent. Um, as the person who is, you know, in charge of them, you know, God has given them to you. Like there's a covenant responsibility um, to 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 lead them. Um, how in this moment do I lead them into what they need and not just settle for what they deserve? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes those two things go together. I mean, I don't want to make them seem like they're mutually exclusive. Um, sometimes those things go together. Sometimes what you need and what you deserve are the exact same thing. But it's looking at it uh, from a standpoint of not one or the other, but man, how can I provide them what they need uh, in light of maybe what this what this situation deserves and sometimes what they need is to be grounded sometimes that's the best thing for them yeah. uh, it doesn't it doesn't always mean hey here's the out um, here's a pass Jesus didn't give this woman a pass um, but he also understood that what she deserved by the letter of the law in that moment was to be executed yeah you don't deserve that that's yeah like uh, you this is what you need um, so yeah. yeah, discipline is a belief in a better future. Even Hebrews 12, it says a good father disciplines his children. Yeah. It's almost, the story is almost like when you're pulling your toddler away from the hot stove, you remove them from danger first, and then you gently correct them yeah. on how not to make the same mistake again. The consequence of their action would have been to get burned by the stove. Yeah. Jesus removes her from the danger of the people who are about to stone her, which is the consequence of her action. Sure. And then he gently corrects her and puts her on this path of here's how to head in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, you guys, I know you guys talked to you about the the difference between grace and mercy um, and how those two things really work hand in hand. I think oftentimes, you know, grace is that thing that comes in and says, like, here's here's what you need in this moment um, above and beyond and over sometimes what you deserve here's what you need in this moment mercy is then what comes comes to me mercy is what then comes uh behind grace and says all right get up um and and and, you know as we were talking before we started recording i think the it's, it's interesting to me that the word mercy in greek finds its origin in um like the the freedom of slavery and the breaking of chains um that's where that word yeah that that's where that word comes from the word of mercy and so it is it's like I mean, grace provides forgiveness. Mercy then comes alongside and provides freedom uh, and says, get up, you know, get up off the mat. It's the thing that allows us to get back up or even beyond that picks us back up. Uh, and so I think those two things, again, as we're as we're talking about this and how we as as parents and families can really begin to engage the story of Jesus and this this woman uh, as it relates to our students. I mean, it is it's like you have to imagine Jesus in that moment. Go leave your life of sin as he's doing. He's picking her back up. Right. And she's getting her back up on her feet because, you know, for me, I read that story and she's thrown at Jesus's feet. And as you can imagine, I mean, if it were me and I'm thrown naked in the street and I'm covering my face, I'm doing all I can do to just like, okay, well, like get this moment over with. Go ahead and start throwing rocks so I can just die. Um, And mercy is that thing that allows her to come out from that shell, right, of, you know, hiding and bunkering down and waiting for impact and feeling that shame. Mercy says, now I'm going to free you from that. Um, And so I think that's an important distinction for us to realize is, 
you know, we can we can provide grace in the lives of our students and in those moments meet them in their time of need and and provide them what they need uh, over and above what they deserve. But then to stop at grace, we're, we're missing a step. Mercy is the next step that then says, OK, don't quit. Get back up. Uh, get back on the horse. You know, fall down seven. Get up eight. You know that that kind of thing. That's like the 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 oorah. I think a little bit of mercy is like, man, it gets you back up. Yeah, yeah. There's freedom and grace. There's freedom and mercy. There's freedom and discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is oppression and sin. And so when when the woman experiences grace, she's experiencing a freedom that is the opposite of death. It is the opposite of sin. And that is what Jesus is calling her into. Uh, next week we'll be back talking about. What happens when you feel marginalized? Yeah. What happens when you're just beat down and you feel like the world is against you? We hope that families will continue to invite other families to summer nights. We've got two weeks. Two weeks left. Two weeks. That's it. Really, two. one and a half. Yeah. Like we've got this Sunday and then the following Sunday, and then we are going back to normal Sunday mornings. So two more opportunities to bring people in the evenings to the block. It's a big party, high school, middle school families worshiping together. It's super cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah. We'll see you next week.